Welcome to the Pebble in the Cosmic Pond podcast. Um, I am your host, Dr. Sabina Wilms, and I just created a bonus episode with my friend Leo Locke that I just want to put out there because I want to do something about all the sorrow that so many of my friends are feeling in the world right now. We are all so interconnected and whether we are experiencing trauma and loss and grief or whatever other crazy emotions ourselves or through our friends is ultimately irrelevant. We're just all experience or many of us are experiencing it. So I invited Leo to join me and I'm, I'm not doing any editing or anything. I just want to put it out there to the universe. I hope you find this useful. Thanks for listening. Bye. So hi, Leo. Thank you for joining Hello. me. It's, it's always a, a pleasure to have a conversation with you. Um, I asked you today to join me for a recording because I feel like there is, like we just talked about, there is a, there's an emotional, a lot of people are, are, a lot of compassionate people are struggling right now because there's a lot going on in the world and people are very emotional. And you and I have had conversations in the past about guanyin and compassion. And our podcast is about Chinese medicine, but it is about Chinese medicine in the larger sense. And I believe that Buddhism is a very, can be a very powerful tool that can enrich any healing practice because Buddhism specializes in clearly seeing suffering instead of looking the other way, instead of shutting your emotions down. It is about the world is suffering. How do I hold that suffering and how do I make make sense not make sense make sense of it and transform it and chinese medicine any good chinese medicine practitioner is aware that physical ailments are related to the emotions and that we have the five emotions related to the five zhang organs and right now i feel like a lot of people are my my beginning for this conversation was about processing sorrow because that is that is my primary emotion that I'm feeling right now on October 14 2023 um, for for personal reasons community reasons global reasons for many many macrocosmic reasons and a lot of other people are are feeling like you just mentioned anger and fear and I wanted to ask you to explore, help me make sense and, and, and come up with constructive ways of not suppressing our emotions 
which I am really good at. Um, I'm German, and I hold a lot of my parents. I grew up in a family where, with with you know, trauma from the Nazi past, from the Second World War. My family is my parents have had to suppress emotions in order to function. That is very much a survival strategy when you're in the middle of a collapsing empire or or whatever horrific situation you're in. But ultimately, holding, suppressing emotions doesn't work. As I just realized, I, I just spent two weeks um, basically crying because I... I joined my daughter in a, on a horse ranch and I lost my horse 10 years ago or so and I lost my farm and I just moved on from that and and so I'm I'm realizing that how much grief I've been holding and how it has been holding me back and it's just coming up to the point where 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 I can't hold it in and I'm a different person now and I've people like you to talk to and I have different resources than I had 10 years ago and I firmly believe that we can use, we can make positive. You're just sitting there nodding as I'm trying to formulate all of this. I, I just believe that there's something in this present moment of, of suffering and this emotional turmoil that I hope we can have a conversation where your perspective, especially your deep love of Guanyin and your 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 lifelong engagement with Buddhism as a healer and one of the most sincere practitioners of of Buddhism and Chinese medicine. You're just such a healing presence that I hope you can enlighten the rest of us. <laughs> Not to put any pressure on you. Well, thank you for your very kind words, Sabina. And I just wanted to let you know that you're not alone in processing grief and suppressed grief. Because that basically, we I have the same story in my family line as well. Is is I think it is a quite a universal phenomenon. In humanity, very few communities or societies have not had to face the suppression of grief and sorrow. I think in this world right now, and for a a few thousand yeah. years before this, very few communities are immune from this type of challenges. And I don't have any you know, magical answer to that, but I would love to explore that with you. And hopefully our listeners can find some type of resolutions or tools that is helpful for them to alleviate some level of their challenges and suffering right now. Right, let's explore yeah. that. Yeah. So I want to start with, you mentioned sorrow. So that's a very interesting Emotion in that sense that in Chinese we call that bei mm -hmm. or to less extent I. So bei or I. So that's very interesting because I want to start there because that's the connecting point between Chinese medicine and Buddhist ideas. Right? Because on one hand we know bei is a very 
well-recognized emotion in Chinese medicine, and we say that affects the lungs, mm-hmm. right? Bei and fei. So we say bei zhe qi xiao in the Neijing. When sorrow mm-hmm. and grief is predominant, the qi dissipates. And we also have in the Neijing talking about how the emotion of grief impact the physical lungs and the physical physical structure of our chest and our thoracic mm-hmm. cavity. And that will cause qi to stagnate. So there is a very real and very palpable effect of grief and sorrow impinging or affecting our physical breathing even, our digestions, our breathing. So it's a very real phenomenon. So at the same time, Bei is also the Chinese translation for the Buddhist concept concept of Karuna, which is in English we translate as compassion. So compassion is Bei, Bay is also sorrow. How's that? Because when we have yeah. compassion, we have garuna in our heart, we feel we can resonate with the sufferings of others. So that there's the connection between the Buddhist ideas of mm-hmm. Bay and the Chinese medical ideas of Bay. So people who are compassionate, people who are connected to the sufferings of the larger world of the our fellow human beings in the communities in on this earth are easily affected by this emotion because when we listen mm. to the news when we listen to the stories being told by many other people suffering in this world we feel the compassion and usually the emotion that comes out immediately is some form of grief and sorrow for some of us. For some of us, it could be anger at the injustice, right? For some of us, it could be fear, fear in the sense of, oh, what's going to happen to us, mm-hmm. right? So the three, I, was, I see three major emotions coming up usually around this but from the compassionate side, usually is grief because we can feel the suffering of others who are indeed going through some really hard times. So why is that important to Guan Yin? Because Guan Yin is famous for her compassion. Mm-hmm. She's called the great compassionate one, the Maha Karunika. So her thing is Karuna. Mm-hmm. Hurting is compassion. The, compassion is a middle name, as we will say it in English. Yeah. Right. Or her first name. Right? <laughs> so, so she's the one who is well-revered and loved in East Asia, meaning in China, in Vietnam, in Japan. I don't know much about Korea, so I don't want to speak for... But I know, right, for even yeah. Yeah, like yeah. The, the, the printer... The printing company Canon, Canon, actually, Canon is the uh, the Japanese name for Guan Yin. Yeah, yeah. Came, so you, you know the Japanese are also very well into her, right? And the Tibetans, they they, yeah. they even go 
so far as saying that uh, you know Dalai Lama is the reincarnation of Avalokiteshwara, which is another name for Kuan Yin. So she's very prominent in East Asia, right? I our personal my personal family story, if I may share, is that during World War Two. This is what my my late father told me. They were running from the uh, air raids. You know, the Japanese Imperial Army was dropping bombs, and he, he and his grandparents had to run into the f- jungle. And of course, that's like a tropical jungle. You easily get lost in 1945, 44. You know, so they got lost, but. Uh, my great grandparents were believers of Kuan Yin, or the adherents of Kuan Yin, so they prayed to Kuan Yin, and they got a sign, some type of instruction or guidance, and they led the villagers out of the woods, so to speak, and to safety. Right. So th- from then on, the villagers were saying, "You guys shouldn't just." have the Kuan Yin on an altar in your home, we should build a temple for the villagers. So you guys be the guardian of Kuan Yin, this Kuan Yin temple, because obviously Kuan Yin responded to you guys and you guys led us out of you know, mm. the jungle, which mm. we would have perished or got bombed to pieces. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's how our families got more connected to Kuan Yin is we my great grandparents had a temple I in the see. village for Kuan Yin. So that's our story, right? So so in Chinese we always say Guan Shi Yin Pusa, the name of Guan Yin, Jiu Ku Jiu Nan. Right? So she's the one who goes because she listens to the suffering of the mm-hmm. world. She listens to the sound of suffering in the world. So wherever there's suffering, she would go and try to help. Right. So that's the to the emblem or the, mm-hmm. the vibe of Kuan Yin. That's who she is to most East Asians. And we saw her statues up and down Vietnam as well. My Vietnamese yeah. friends are very connected to Kuan Yin. I could not believe it's like, why are you guys so it's everything they talk mm-hmm. about is connected to Kuan Yin? And then when I saw these videos on in Vietnam or about Vietnam, then I see why, because her statue is up and down everywhere mm-hmm. in Vietnam. Mm-hmm. Right? And same in Japan so, with Kanon when I was there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. so we know that she's very popular, like perhaps like Guadalupe in to, you know, our American, South Americans, and Central Americans. Uh, <laughs> and and you know? I personally have several statues of the Virgin of Guadalupe, and I have Marys all over the place, and I mm-hmm. have behind me a statue of Guan Yin that I got from my friend Lillian. So, yeah, yeah. Oh, I wonder what color is Guadalupe in? Uh, is she like? Well, age or what? Traditionally dark skinned, very much. Meaning her 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 clothing's. I mean her clothing. It's 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 very colorful. You mean Ah. she has the dark cloak with the stars a lot of times, and then she has that halo around her. Um, 
But Mary is white. In robes, right? Is she's Mary? Yeah, and yeah. and I come from Catholic Bavaria, and the uh-huh. town where I come from uh, is that whole region of Franconia is very famous as the center for a artist. Oh, oh, I don't know his dates. I'm not a German historian. I'm a Chinese historian. He did these beautiful altarpieces in wood. Tilman Riemenschneider, and he has beautiful statues of Mary. That is one of his hallmarks. So I come from an area where there is um, all these altars that are that are mostly dedicated to 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 Mary in the mm. in that area that are just so beautiful. I ask because in yeah. East Asia, the most popular depiction of Kuan Yin is the Lady in White. She's in white, kind of silky, you know, linen-y kind of uh, yeah, yeah, uh, robe of some sort. That's the most iconic image of Guan Yin in East Asia, right? You have a statue behind you that's also in that's white. white. Yeah, that's very much like that. Yeah, very traditional. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I think that that really a lot of people resonates with her because. She represents the compassionate one, the one so, who listens. I have a question for you. When I think about my own process of what happened to me on my farm is my neighbors decided to kick me off my land, and there was all the stuff that happened, and I went through a process of all the emotions you mentioned. And basically, I lost my naive faith in the ultimate goodness of humanity in that process i and i've been and i think that's why it hit me so much it wasn't just the loss of my horse and my farm and everything but it was really a betrayal of the community the humans around me who i thought were my friends and everything so i went through a huge amount of fear for my life, literally, when I was there, I went through a huge amount of anger because I fought it with a lawsuit for two years. I lost all my money. Um, so I was very, very angry. And I think what helped me to, or what I thought helped me was a huge step is trans- transcending these, what in my view were unhealthy emotions of anger and fear and go into compassion. Whereas you are equating these three emotions. And I was approaching it from the perspective, I mean, that's really interesting what you said about grief being identical with compassion, because I just taught a class on, and we were reading three in classical Chinese, and we were reading three passages from Confucius about Ren mm-hmm. and humaneness, human heartedness, compassion, kindness, however you want to translate Ren as the key virtue in Confucius's teachings. And conf- Ren is. You know the the what is it the 
the it it's juxtaposed with zhi, which is knowledge. So the wise take pleasure in. Oh, <laughs> I have to get this That's right. Okay. Zhi, um, I. What is it? The 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 compassionate take pleasure in mountains, and the wise people take pleasure in water. Mm -hmm. And the compassionate no wait the compassionate love ren compassion they find or they an they an they find peace in ren whereas the wise people li ren they find benefit in ren and then that other mm. one is is to to compassion is to oh, I for, never mind so so compassion is this huge virtue which to me is different from the emotions ah so that's that's really good so uh, please allow me to clarify a little bit so what I'm trying to say is not that grief or sorrow is identical to compassion but it's closely related mm -hmm. to a compassionate disposition. And therefore, when Buddhism came in to China, starting from, you know, the beginning of the, uh, the millennium, you know, after Jesus, the Chinese chose the word that yeah. is already in Chinese culture, the grief and sorrow as a receiving term for karuna, for compassion. Yeah, yeah. Right, so they had to find a word in the Chinese language to contain, to represent that karuna, that compassion, so they chose pei. So Which would is happen. so interesting compared to using ren. Ah, ren is actually more like metta. Maitri. Okay, okay, yeah. You gotta explain so, this. Okay. Yeah. So so basically uh I don't know how far we want to go into the technicality of this, but there are four I think it's important we talk about the four immeasurables. There are these four immeasurable qualities in in Buddhism. In both in early Buddhism and in Theravada yeah. and in uh, Mahayana, right? Which is number one is metta in Pali or Maitri in Sanskrit, which mm -hmm. the Chinese chose as the. So we have this compound called Ren Ci mm -hmm. in later Chinese. Yeah. So Ci is more like Ren. It's like a yeah. fatherly emotion of emanating this friendliness. I wish you well. I wish everybody well. This, like yeah. they, some people would say, it's like the solar power, the sun in the sky that that Beautiful. just share its warmth with every living thing on earth. That is Ren. That's Ci in the Buddhist sense. Metta. Maitri. Mm -hmm. But there is an, the second emotion or second karuna, which the Chinese has translated as pei, which means compassion. When you are 
in suffering, when you are sad, when you are hurt, just like a mother, when her child is hurt, you will go to your child and try to comfort her. Try you understand why she is crying, so you have a compassion, compassion. Mm-hmm. The passion mm-hmm. is there. The feeling is there. You are in resonance, com, with the passion, mm-hmm. which in Chinese we say, 同情 or 共情 right? The 情 the emotion, 共 or 同 you have the yeah. same. You resonate. So you see the difference is a very different to the Buddhist is a very different idea. Because somebody is suffering, and you go near the person you heard about it, you so have it's a concrete. resonating. Yeah, you have a resonating feeling. You feel for the person. This is a very different yeah. concept yeah. or idea about. I wish you well. I hope you, my neighbor, is well. I hope you get on the road safely. I hope you reach work safe. I don't. I hope that you don't have conflict. At the meetings today with your colleagues, I hope you arrive back safe. Yeah, you see that. Yeah. So Ci and Bei is very different to the Buddhist. One is wishing yes, and the I world well. What might be where the confusion comes in is that I'm used to this Ci or this Meta being translated as that's the compassion. No. In English, incorrect. That should be something like a, a well wishing, yeah, yeah, friendliness, well wishing. I wish the whole world well. It's a very different thing than I feel your pain. Yes, yes. Right. Uh, it, nothing bad needs to happen when ci is there. I'm always wishing you well, but when mm-hmm. you are not well. I come near you. I can feel your pain. I resonate with you. Yeah, that's compassion. Yeah, that is karuna. And that reminds me of um, the the ver- the role of the Virgin Mary that I'm familiar uh, with. Like there's a statue outside of where I used to live. This little village. It, near Taos in New Mexico, and there's this old beat-up statue on on a hill, and t- people go up there when they have whatever loss, or they just go up there during her holidays and they light a candle, and she has this incredibly powerful presence of. And I used to have a I used to have a big um, painting of. A Mary in my um, in the middle of my house, and I actually took it down a couple of years ago and passed it on to somebody else. It came from the Catholic priest, and it's about the Our Lady of Sorrows, the mm. the, the the lady who holds all suffering, and it yeah. was so. I would go to this little shrine up on the hill, and and just sit there and stare at this. Lady, who just what this statue has seen and witnessed and is holding, you know, and everybody brings their their candles and their flowers and their gifts. Um, and then Isn't I created beautiful? a little altar yeah. by the corner. the The priest, I went to the priest when I had this conflict with my neighbor. I'm like, what do I do? 
And the priest told me to put up a sign that had his poster, his his image. He was a he specialized in Greek Orthodox um, art, the 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 way of painting these sacred images. I forgot what the fancy word is. And he had he told me to get a poster at the store next door where they have the Catholic um, religious things to sell. And put on there, put a frame and put on the frame that this property, the trees, the animals, the humans are blessed and protected by the Virgin. And I was like, really, I can do this? And he looked at me and he said, I'm the priest. I'm telling you to do this, Sabina. And then he told me to create an altar by the corner of my house. And I did. And and all the local, like all the neighbors started bringing little gifts and leaving little, 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 little things. And it was this really beautiful thing. Um, so that's, that's the Lady of Sorrows. Is that amazing? That is Mahakarunika, the the great compassionate one. Yeah, yeah. It's the same, isn't it? It's universal. Yeah. That that symbol, that 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 sentiment. Right. She's universal in that sense. Is the motherly. Yeah. The yeah. feminine. Right. Though that yeah. is Bay. Yeah. And I think that is why you know the the Chinese translator in the early stage chose Bei as the Chinese term, the word, to represent karuna, to represent compassion. Kasaro. A lot of times the compassion, when we're compassionate, the first emotion that happens when people are suffering is grief and sorrow. I feel sorry for you. Do you think this Buddhist quality is goes beyond because we all feel sorrow and grief mm. but the virtue is holding the grief ah that is exactly why i wanted to talk about the four immeasurables because i think why the so so here in lies the challenge of our activist friends and all who are feeling the injustice and the sorrow of the world when world events and conflicts happens, regardless of time and space, right? Yeah. Is that we're holding on to these things and is affecting our breathing, is affecting our sleep, is affecting how our body functions. But that is not the complete teaching of Buddhism because there are four immeasurables. The third one is the... Is the the delight about when people are successful. You know, we rejoice in their mm -hmm. success. We're not going to talk about that one because it's not as relevant right now. There's the fourth quality. The fourth quality. I think the reason why the masters and the bodhisattvas, you know, all these uh, so-called enlightened beings, they're able to process all these sorrows in the world. Because remember, Guan Yin, in some version, has a thousand hands and a thousand mm -hmm. eyes, which means she's super connected to everybody all across mm -hmm. the universes. Right? I mean, it's just like yes. trillions upon trillions of connection. Does she not get crushed 
by the burden of all the sorrows of the entire, all the universes? How could she do it without being hurt? Yeah. And by herself, because of the fourth quality. The fourth and I think quality, this is exactly what it takes to be a true healer. Yeah, I think this exactly. is the essence of what it means to survive as a true doctor. Yes, the insurance, I would say, the basic practice, the essential practice. I'll take mm -hmm. myself, for example, right, mm -hmm. to illustrate. I was in practice for quite a number of years, and every day I have to, you know, encounter all sorts of health challenges that my patients mm -hmm. brought to me. Some were unwell because they simply sprained their ankles. Some are unwell because they have been suffering from PTSD, mm -hmm. from an abusive relationship, from a war. Many are refugees. I've seen many refugees, you know, from different parts of the world. So some of them carry the scars of wars in their body. And they told me their stories. So every day, I have to process three Vietnam Wars, one Korean War, and then mm. somebody's two divorces. <laughs> you know? I would be and dead it, meat within, within a single morning, Leo. <laughs> right? So, so how could we survive that? Yeah. We have to... So here's how I see it. The identification comes in when the compassion needs to happen. Yeah, it's like, wow, I didn't know that it was so difficult when you were coming to America. You know, you had to jump through. You know, you had to be on the boat for how many days without water. You know, the compassion. There's definitely the compassion. It's like, wow, it was difficult. I had, you know, a friend uh, whose mom had to go out and pick firewood in between the droppings of the bombs mm -hmm. you know so how did you survive what would you survive so when we listen to stories like that definitely there's a lot of sorrow compassionate sorrow mm -hmm. resonance right but once the hour is over i have the next person coming in i cannot carry that sorrow from this war onto the next divorce yeah there I have to drop it and encounter and serve the person who is in front of me in the present moment. And that ability to mm -hmm. disidentify, identify with the karuna, with the compassion, and disidentify with what in Bali they call upeka or in Sanskrit upeksha. In Chinese, the Chinese translated it as she with the hand radical sure you let go so that's the fourth quality so the idiom that in chinese buddhism we say is you let go of the thoughts and identification so that you reach equanimity uh. clarity and equanimity so and this is where i want this is what i want to have our conversation yeah. about this piece. Yeah, that's what I want to talk because about. Because we all, we're all feeling the grief. And yes. these days, you can't get away from it anymore because there's all these news and we all have f 
we are so connected globally. I have students that are in all these places that are affected by war right now, yeah. this minute. I have me as well. I send emails to people who just attended a funeral of my friend just attended the funeral of her daughter's best friend from childhood. Boom, yeah. just like that. So yeah. we we are we so are much connected. more connected than yes. we used to be 20 years ago. Yeah. Before we so, had email. So, yeah, for you know, So we have to cultivate you, this 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 ability. Exactly. So I told you before that, you know, I've seen, you know, my patients are from like thirty three different countries. Yeah. Yeah. Anytime there's any conflict that happened anywhere in the world, somebody yeah. is involved. Somebody's family is involved. Yeah. Regardless of which side they're on, most of the time, both sides. <laughs> you know, we're connected this yes. way. We're connected to both sides, three sides, four sides, every side. Right? Just like Kuan Yin is. Kuan Yin was, you know, a thousand arms and thousand yeah. eyes. She saw everything. She was connected to everyone. Yeah. But how is it that she survived? <laughs> and we're, you know, being crushed underneath all these. It's because in Buddhism, there's these four practices. And the fourth one is the letting go, the disidentification. So, so the power or the wisdom in the teaching is the ability to identify and disidentify. And the ability to use that in that tool at will. When I need to get work done and when compassion yeah. is needed and is fruitful, I use that. When it's no longer fruitful and I need to redirect my life force mm -hmm. to something else, then I have to have the ability and the skill to let go so that I can serve the next task and the next person in a productive, fruitful way. Okay, so, so that, makes practice, perfect, that makes yeah. perfect sense. So, so, for example, in my clinical practice, I cannot, if I'm seeing the eighth patient of the day, yeah. I cannot carry the emotional burden of the seven previous ones yeah. when I'm serving the eighth or the last person. I have to wipe clean everything that has come before me, but in that moment, I only serve this one. Yes. Because carrying on the sorrow, the anger, the fear, or any other or sense of injustice from the previous cases does not improve my ability to serve this one in front of me. In fact, I'm very sure yeah. that, will comp that will eliminate or greatly compromise my chi and my energy and my heart in serving this one in front of me. So I and think affect your health in the future, your personal oh, health, absolutely. your family, your community. It prevents you. And I see this all the time with doctors. And I think that's why and a lot of doctors and, and activists. activists. Exactly. Yeah. Like yeah. my daughter who spends a lot of time communicating with people in prison. And mm. it is taking a huge toll on her. Yeah. And, and so, she has to dip in and out of or working with houseless people. That's exactly. So that's the practice. We ha all have to find a way to reset, to disengage, because I think there is a misconception 
in amongst healers and activists that we have to be connected all the time. We have to stay identified all the time. Yeah. Right? Okay, Leo, But, I want to take it a step further, though, because yes. I just listened to a beautiful meditation on grief this morning by Joan mm -hmm. Halifax. Yes. And the final, and I'll put it in the show notes, and it's just a little YouTube thing, 20 minutes. And the final words of her meditation were, may I and all beings learn from and transform sorrow. Yeah. So there's a piece that I'm working with in my own experience of grief of my family lineage, my personal life, everything, where, and I, I've had a lot of deep conversations with my daughter about that, where it's not just holding the grief and letting go, but actually transforming it and, and, and using it as a tool, which I think is very much, that's Buddhist, right? Using it as a tool for personal, not a tool, as whatever karma brings you, you accept. And this goes back to Wang Fengyi's teachings, which have been so transformative in my own life, where, where whatever happens to you is, it doesn't matter whether it's right or wrong, whether it's fair or whatever, but it is an opportunity. It's your karma. You are receiving things. Maybe you don't know why, but it is an opportunity. Suffering is an opportunity. It's not just an unfortunate thing that happens that you hold and process and let go, but, but it is actually... Those are the times when we grow the most. It is, it is, that's what makes us deeper, wiser, fuller, more, more, more evolved human beings. So that's what I would love to hear your, your take on yeah. suffering I, as a source of, of transformation and growth. Yeah. Yeah, as a transformative opportunity, because mm -hmm. that's where we'll need to learn new skill, and and that ties back very much to Chinese medicine, because in Chinese medicine we see these emotional, psycho-emotional states as different configuration of qi flow or non-flow in the body. Uh -huh. So many scientists now and teachers now have come out can come out to say that. A lot of times we need a non-intellectual, physical practice to, to transform the stuckness. Where there is fear, fear can be transformed into uh, mobility, into actions, right? And so does I'm anger. thinking about this from the Wang Fengyi system. Mm -hmm. Where fear yeah. is 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 the 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 there is a a and the wording is unfortunate, but there is a negative aspect and a positive aspect of each of the zhang organs, and fear yeah. is associated with water and the kidney freezing. So, so fear freezing. yes, 
Yes. And it is very disabling. It's immobilizing. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. And at the same time, the virtue of water is to be flexible and fluid. So you can treat the the negative, the dysfunctional, the pathological aspect by cultivating the positive aspect. Is that? Mm-hmm. I think so. Similar? And it's the transformation. I think about it. You know, I, have you heard of the work of Peter Levine, which is like somatic engineering? He's, he's he wrote a book initially about like the healing and tiger or something. I forgot the title of the. So basically, he his earlier or his basis was that the fight or flight reaction. Mm-hmm. There's a third one, which is the feigning of death. Little animals, when yeah. they're in the jaws of a lion, if they cannot fight back or if they c- can no longer run away, they will feign death. And when the then the lion yeah. says, I'm not interested in a dead little animal, and he, he'll let go and then go away, and then the little antelope will f- shake violently. Yeah. And revive itself. So there's the third way. The third way is the arrest of the adrenaline. The adrenaline that was produced yeah. during this this life and death moment were temporarily frozen and arrested in mm-hmm. the system of the antelope. So fear is immobilization, but is potential energy high energy, temporarily suppressed. Mm. Mm-hmm. So the transform, how did the antelope transform that? By shaking violently mm-hmm. and dissipating that energy. And then the antelope had no trauma. And I have a dog who was a rescue, and he that is very much his pattern, and that's why it's so important that I let him run and really, really play hard and do his thing and it it's the best way to yeah and what peter levine said is like why is it not possible humans is because we have a cortex we have this intellect we have our cultural construct we have our social mannerisms would very few humans modern humans will allow themselves to shake violently and uncontrollably to dissipate mm. trauma because you'll be viewed as somebody who is possessed. <laughs> or somebody in deep trouble if you shake violently in front of other people who have a no, yeah. not a clue yeah. of what's going yeah. on. Right? Yeah. 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 So that's how one of the reasons that people kept trauma in their bodies. So that's why he developed a, a, you know, a school of practice, so-called somatic engineering, to help licensed practitioners, you know, in, in psychotherapists, uh-huh. how to help people out of that PTSD. Ah, uh, yeah. Right. So I'm not saying his is the only thing. Some people have found it useful, right? And then there is this the Winhoff guy, which you will be. <laughs> so he's he, recently he has this new video that came out that talks about. In the labs now, there he's collaborating with scientists, and how the purposeful or intentional exposure to external 
cold and chilling environment can really shift the adaptive behavior of our neural patterns in the brain around fear, the most primal of our emotions. So, so they are going. This group of people are going on the path that say the exposure, intentional exposure to external cold, can literally transform humanity, because using a non-intellectual, non-cognitive yeah. behavioral approach, we can literally yeah. change and affect people's primal reaction to fear and have the freedom to choose a different path. Now, I'm not promoting his work. I'm just saying. I know you're a Chinese medicine practitioner, and Chinese medicine practitioners know the dangers of cold. So I think that <laughs> I, re I refuse to accept that because I'm very familiar. I love swimming in the yeah. ocean, and I know it's hard on my physical body. I know it takes so much out of me, but emotionally and psychologically, for exactly yeah. the reasons you just mentioned, yeah. it so is you are such testimony. good medicine for me. It yeah. is. It is. You are it completely resets me. Yes. Yeah. So then. Between these Absolutely. two extremes, <laughs> true to the spirit of our podcast, what kind of in-between sweet spot can we arrive at, so that you can have the reset safely without the damage to your physical body? Because the so, if we look at the five, if we go back to Wang Fengyi and the the five Zhang organs, fear is only one of them. Anger is another one. Anger is associated with liver and wood. And the beauty of anger, the virtue of uh, the the virtue of the liver of wood, is compassion. Is Ren. And in the, the chant, saves. in the Wang Fengyi chant, it's Juyi. It's mm. it's directed. Intentionality. It's it's. Um, yes. So that the directed intentionality is how you disidentify, you disengage. You say purposefully. Now I'm going to disidentify and disengage from this identification because doing it further will impair my own health and my ability to mm -hmm. further contribute to the world. So that's where the healer sometimes and the activists do not see that clearly and understand it rationally. That the further engagement or indulgence, I would say, of these negative or these sorrowful emotions or these emotions mm -hmm. that dissipate my energy and my body's well-being does not further. The betterment of the world. Yeah, yeah. Once I have identified with it and I take the necessary actions to make yeah. my contribution towards this cause, then I have to disengage because further engagement dissipates my well-being, and therefore my future contribution to the well-being of the world at large. It's, yeah. It serves no one. That's yes. the sorrow yes. beyond beyond that point, and the anger beyond that point serves no one, is wasted, 
not only is wasted, it becomes toxic. Yes. And further impairs our ability to serve continuously and be bigger yes. and be more effective in the world. That's, I think, is the common blind spot I observe with healers and activists, not realizing that is the truth and not acknowledging it right. and not honoring that as the universal truth. Right, so Guan Yin is not like that. Bodhisattvas in Buddhist in Buddhist definition have already transcended all those personal identification. They don't need to yeah. feed on their identity to justify their own existence. You see? They have transcended all that. They're not identified with Ma male, female, anybody in between, you know, this nation, that nation. They have transcended all of that. They are all identities and none of the identities. Because inter-transformational, interchanging, that is the message of Guan Yin. This, her practice, her cultivation. As normal human beings, I, I don't think I can do that. You know, I'm really identified with who I am in this body and my role in this world. I can only aspire to learn from less identification when I need to. So, the, so, so for me, the challenge is not identification nor disidentification, but the skill and the wisdom to know when to identify and when to disidentify. And really, the sweet spot that you've just been talking about so beautifully is to, is in between. Yeah, because is to, my to reach goal. the equanimity that is beyond identification and disidentification. Yeah, and and that's that, that's the ground. That's the harmony. That's the yeah. ground. The the nourishing ground that allows us to advance in the world and retreat from the world. Because in Chinese yeah. culture, we have a saying, we, we say, which means if you are a bodhisattva made of mud and you're trying to cross a river, you will dissolve midstream. You can't even ferry people to the other side because you yourself have dis disappeared and got, you know, pulled down by the river for the currents of life. Yeah, you, that, makes perfect, that makes perfect sense. That makes perfect sense. Like if we cannot even sustain yeah. our physical life or our emotional well-being, how do we serve the others? Okay, it's a so, joke. so so Leo, I'm I'm just what just popped into my head is my dear friend who is a pediatrician who just went to her daughter's best friend's funeral. Mm. What advice do you have for her? Right now in I'll this just, situation. I, I would say uh Because obviously she's not in a position where she can go hide in a Buddhist monastery for the next month uh -huh. and cultivate I say, the quality that you're talking about. I, I mean, I thank would, you for putting this this beautiful... I, I What you've just done is, is given me a wonderful vision of the, of the shining mountaintop. This is where we are in between this and that, and you've just put the shining vision of the eventual goal 
in my mind, this this equanimity, this equilibrium, the state of ching ching of purity and clarity, however you want to put it. How do we get there? Ah, so <laughs> just a little I'm easy there, question. I'm not. I'm <laughs> not there yet. I am just as you are. You know, uh, know. challenged by all these vis- the vicissitudes of our emotional lives. I will be the first to admit, right? So, so I need to draw upon the wisdom that has somebody else have imparted, a friend have imparted to me for many years ago, right? So, he and another dear friend uh, were the students. Oh my God! Of- and something. Sorry, before you get in it, I just had to. Another thing is my friend Lillian Bridges, who died two years ago, mm. who's statue is right behind me i've always felt that she was a bodhisattva of compassion and she held everybody's suffering in the most beautiful way that i have ever seen and she died in her early 60s mm. Mm. so i think that's yeah. part of the reason why this conversation why this why i feel so strongly sorry yeah. so go ahead oh no problem so my i have a Dear friend from many years ago, and another friend, they're both a descendants of slaves in, from the Caribbean, right? But they, were, they became British, you know, later on. So she, they were studying with, I think her name, this African uh, medicine man, Melanomas, Melanomas Somme. Something like that. Uh, yeah. Melatoma Somme from West Africa, one of the Dagara tribes. So they actually went back to Africa, both of them with the teacher. And they were visiting this village. This is back in uh, maybe some 20 years ago, 23, 25 years ago, around the year 2000. So they were visiting this, this, village, uh, this village, the one ancestral village of the teacher. And they say that nobody suffers from depression in that village. They were like, what is depression? Mm. It's like, Mm. it's unknown in our village. We don't have this kind of Western (laughs) psychological problem or Eastern, you know? It's like, what is it? Then they say, well, the reason perhaps they don't suffer from depression is that they have funerals Every week, you don't have to be a relative of the person mm. who just passed away. The whole village will go and grieve at the funeral mm-hmm. of the person who just died. Mm-hmm. Right? So, so they say, well, everybody gets to express their grief any time of the day they want. You know, there's no, very few, no, they don't know what is suppressed emotion in the village. So there's no depression in, in their village. Because everybody cries every week. If you need to cry, you cry. The person is not related, no problem. And they're done. So that's yeah. kind of the insight. Yeah. I, uh, is in the moment when the grief comes up, you do it. You let it out. But when the moment passes, you don't call you don't go purposely call up the trauma again. 
intentionally. You don't direct your yi, your intention, towards something that has passed. It's in the moment you felt the tribe grieving, you grieve with the tribe, and boom, you're done. You move on. You go hunt again. You go do your chores. Which is partly why when people go through these really sad, when they lose a loved one or whatever, that's why daily routines are so helpful. Exactly. And now we're not in such privileged position in, as moderns in modern society. Well, they're still there, the villagers. But we're not as privileged as them in the sense or lucky as them because we have computers. We have smartphones yeah. that com- continuously remind us yeah. of the trauma. Yeah. They don't even have photos. Yeah. They don't have photos. They have, don't have audio recordings. They have on video recordings in primitive villages. They just have the event. Somebody died, died in front of me. The corpse, the body's there. We grieve. We burn them. We bury them. And it's over. You don't continuously call up yeah. the traumatic event. But now as moderns, we don't have that a bit. I mean, technically we do, but we're con- constantly bombarded. How many bombings do you have to watch over and over and over and over again? Facebook will remind you. YouTube will remind you. You don't even have a memory thing. It's like, oh, seven years ago, Remember? Right? We were constantly being, the trauma is being repeatedly brought up by modern technology. And it is sometimes done in ways that are weirdly, I don't know, there was something on the New York Times thing, and it was so detached. It's like people who consume, and I'm really careful with how I consume news, but there's a way where we get bombarded with these mess, with these horrible images of, of, or stories of, of horrible suffering that people get really callous and they discuss it in terms that are just like, whoa, this is, this is really weird Mm -hmm. and disconnected. So, okay. So, so So you see the challenges we face right now. Is that in in earlier in pre modern societies most people people don't have that kind of repetitive they're not being repetitively traumatized except if you're a doctor or if you're Guanyin exactly but Guanyin's never traumatized and Guanyin by definition is able not to do what she does because, yeah, because she's a she's continuously she's she a can being identify of and misidentify yeah. And have this no, no, just the wisdom. Please don't just focus on the wisdom because we place too much emphasis on the intellect. Mm. Mm. That ocean of equanimity that's in her mm. nervous system that she has cultivated is a neural habit mm. that she has spent eons of lifetimes cultivating. That needs to be emphasized. The, the trouble I think we have in our modern world is the overemphasis of the intellect and the world and the domain of thoughts and thinking yeah. and words. Not realizing mm. that the aspect of humanity that keeps us sane, that keeps us compassionate, 
has nothing to not nothing, but a lot less to do with being smart, being intellectual. How many demons have we have、mm. the world witness that have come out of very smart people's、mm. intellect?、Mm. The weapons of destruction and killing and murder all came out from superb intellect. Yeah. That's the problem with the world right now. Is a lot of intellect, a lot of emphasis and adoration for the well spoken, but、yeah. so much less emphasis and value of kindness and the presence of compassion and peacefulness and equanimity and tolerance. And perseverance, right? This vibe of lovingness, lovingness, and sweetness has no. What's the price tag on that? I think that's why the world is lopsided. Because we don't value, and we don't emphasize, and we don't emulate sweetness, kindness, gentleness. Those qualities are, that are not woven with words and cleverness of the mind. This That's brings, where the problem is. That makes perfect sense to me, because I just spend a week with horses. And yeah. When you're around a horse, you can't be in your head. Exactly. And I have a huge a hole beauty- in my head from being in my being. <laughs> In my head, when I got on my half wild Mustang, and、yeah. and he was awesome when when I would just hang out with him in the pasture, and maybe that's maybe that's、mm-hmm. like to follow up on your wonderful advice and vision is maybe what I want to contribute is just this image of when I used to sit in my orchard, and it, he was a young horse, and he would lie down and just just. I would lie down with him, and or he would follow me, and his nose would be right by my shoulder, and and this、so、isn't, this connection, this heart to heart, and right there, are a lot of people now who do horse therapy. Exactly. So, so which brought me to this, or my goats,、uh, milking my goats every morning. This inquiry for for me and for you is、yeah. that could it be that in our Because we're both very good at intellectual analysis,、right? I'm not so、and、sure. <laughs>、uh, why、well, you build? We both build, and you build a profession around words. Yeah. Could it be that the calling for the next phase of our evolution is to use that to lead? The world in back into the use the words so that people can dissolve into non-words. That's so where I'm at these days, right? It's、yeah. that emphasis is the focus has to be realigned in the sense that、yeah. the words and the analysis are there to lead us into this more precious place of connectedness. Kindness, lovingness, peacefulness, joy. Yeah. Not, you know what I mean. It's like a lot of times we. But here we、so、are、much. doing it in a conversation that is going to be a podcast. 
Yes. And we are so, talking to each other on the screen. And words. all we have is words. So, therefore, the teaching of the Buddhism is to use the words to lead us in, and beyond into the beyond of words cannot describe. That's the goal. The goal is to so that, but we need a scaffold. We need a ferry. We need a boat to help us cross to the other side of the river. And the tool is our words for humans, our words. But sometimes we get so involved with a boat. We go into the nitty gritties <laughs> of the boat. We, you know, we talk about how the boat should be of this size and this color. And it has to have all these stripes and only and the I'm black. And I'm going to put all the Chinese characters and all the detailed t translations of all these words you said into the show notes and... Yep, you're absolutely right. right. So yeah. there's so much emphasis on that, and we lose sight of what are we trying to accomplish here. We become this perfectionist curator <laughs> and artist of this vehicle, but not realizing we just want it to so that we can cross over to the other side and alight and disembark so that we can walk the shores of the other side and go towards the mountains and the forest. Yeah. Right? So I think that's, to me, the teaching of Buddhism is that, just to realize, wait a second, the words and all the concepts are tools and vehicles so that we can go beyond the words. The, yeah. the, the words yeah. have no actual final value of itself but in fact it destroys humanity when we get too involved into the words and we live in concepts and righteousness and you know what is right what is evil who is correct who is incorrect and that's Wang Fengyi do not blame right yeah so it's we, so it's, simple We need to yeah, dissipate, righteousness. So, right? Use the words yeah. to get us to a place where we can dissipate into the beyond the words and the non-words, the feelings, the sense of connectedness and equanimity, and joy. What happened mm -hmm. to joy? We, the moment we get analytical, most of the time, I find it myself. We lose the joy a lot of times. Don't you find that? Become critical yeah. and skeptical, you know? How can we maintain that I mean, you're talking to somebody who, at the same time, I get so much joy and satisfaction out of translating and finding the perfect, the perfect word. Oh, that's good. That's good. So, so I that's have good. to say that I do derive joy from... Wonderful. Spending 12 hours. <laughs> I think what But I was talking right, about was more right. like... Uh, con like arguing with people and yeah. you know yes and yes that kind of yes and I yeah. know how every morning I go and I milk my goats and I get emotionally dysfunctional when I don't have goats because mm -hmm. if I get up and I just get to work it 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 I it, it's so my My monkey nature, whatever, is so analytical. My metal goes into overdrive. I don't know what it is. But for me, I need to spend an hour in the morning doing, hanging out with my goats and my chickens and my animals. And at the same, at the end of the day, 
walking ah, the dog. That, that's and, a, such a beautiful yeah. demonstration of the concept of she, of upeka, of of letting go, the letting go of the mentalizing. Yeah, yeah. The intellectual mentalizing, the the self talk, and go into a a non human mm. place. Hmm. Right, because it's interesting, and it's so funny because I was just listening to our old recording with Daniel, and one of the words you brought up, I think it was you, as what Chinese medicine can do in response to this culture of greed and and you know colonized colonized capitalism profit industrialized, whatever, humans as cogs in the machine kind of thing. And you mentioned that Chinese medicine can be rehumanizing. And I wrote that down because I thought it was such a beautiful way where you're, we're, 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 we're taking, we're, we're putting the humans back into what are cogs mm. in the machine. Mm-hmm. That, that, mm-hmm. that, that is one of the things that, that you do in your practice. So it's like this yes. balance of being human, and it goes back yes. to that sweet spot yes. in between. What does it mean to be human? So for between for heaven those and earth. of us for today's podcast, for those who are suffering, we need to be less human for a moment and be with the animals, be with the trees, be with the rivers, yes. so that we can disengage. Because the thing that makes us human is our intellect, the our ability. That's different from the most of the animals is because we have language. We we can formulate ideas and imaginations and memories. Those are what built civilizations and makes us human societies. But the same faculties when when we lack the skill to utilize them, we become enslaved. In turn, enslaved by it. You know what, Leo? This is totally. We're going to have to have a follow-up conversation here. Obviously, this reminds me of the conversation that never happened between Mengzi and Xunzi. Okay, we'll talk about it next time. What does it mean to be human? Okay, thank you. <laughs>